You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there. Brian, how was your weekend, my friend? Had a great time joining the Locked On Network on Sunday to talk about Selection Sunday. A little disappointing not to be talking about the running Utes, Jake, but good to get on there and promote the the wealth of good basketball programs here in the Pac-12. And Jake, I'm going to be honest with you, it's that time of year. And I'm not talking about sunshine and warm weather. It's spring ball, baby. It is spring ball. We got to talk about that. The Utes are finally taking the field today. I've been kind of waiting for it. Just wondering when they were actually going to do it. Well, it starts today. We'll preview that. Got a busy, busy weekend to recap across all of the Utah Athletic Department. Another national championship captured over the weekend. We'll talk about it all ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Locked On Twenty for twenty percent off your next order. Love that company. We'll tell you a little bit more about their bracket challenge a little later on here as well. All right, Brian, let's have some fun. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for March 15th, 2021. Once again, welcome into Locked On Utes, your daily podcast focused on all things Utah. I'm Jay Catch. That is Brian Brown. We are, of course, your tandem that covers all things Utah athletics and by extension, a little bit of the Pac-12 as well. Uh, Brian, let's start off. As you mentioned in the open, it is spring ball. The Utes are going to take the field for the first time today. They begin their first of 15 allotted practices to really kind of work out the kinks and begin a new another quarterback battle. And that's kind of where I want to start today, Brian, is I think the headline this spring is who is going to win the quarterback battle. But let's be honest. Do you think anybody's going to actually win it here in the spring? No, I, I don't. But they'll definitely project it as if the contest is on the line every single day. And really, if you're projecting or predicting a, a winner out of spring ball, I think that's a problem considering what you've done in the offseason and what you have in the room currently. By all accounts, Charlie Brewer is the odds-on favorite to win the job when it actually is available to be won. But I think he'll probably start out, you know, with getting the majority of the reps, followed by uh, J.J., as we've been told. He likes to be called Jaquindon Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so jump on the J.J. train with myself and former Blockcast host Cameron Beck. We are uh, all in on that one. And apparently so is Chris Camrani, as I heard the other day. Yeah, Chris Camerani with DJ and PK, the show that I work on, said that he thinks that Jaquindon Jackson or JJ is a dark horse in all of this. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if any definitive, I guess, what we call a pecking order or a starter is named coming out of spring. But I highly doubt that Kyle Whittingham would actually go that route. I, as you kind of mentioned, I think you're in agreement with that. But looking at other storylines uh, besides the quarterbacks, Brian, I think that the running back position is going to be very intriguing this spring to see who, if anybody, can step up there and see what they can prove. That will be the one that I think is going to be most uh, most open to be established immediately. 
it, you know, they released the roster for spring practices and Chris Curry decided that he wanted to go with the number zero. And I don't know about you, Jake, but a running back who likes the number zero, that has a certain swag, certain appeal <laughs> to me, you know, just big number zero coming at you. And as we've uh-huh. talked about previously, Curry, 5'11", 220 pounds. He has a bit of a bowling ball with a lot of speed. And so... Will he be able to do enough in spring ball to put himself in contention for that number one spot? Because in years past, what Utah has liked is they'd like a bruising back for the goal line situations, which Devin Brumfield mostly filled for for Utah. And then they want the kind of workhorse back, which we've seen Zach Moss effectively fill so much. And then a change of pace back, which we've seen Makai Bernard do in years past and possibly TJ Pledger. But I firmly believe that Makai Bernard is probably going to be the guy to to beat having been in the program and just knowing what people have talked about, knowing his work ethic, the hunger he has for the position. I I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I, I, similar to the quarterback deal, I just wonder at the same time, like if we're, are we going to get a definitive answer out of anybody this spring on the running back position saying, no, Makai Bernard's our guy or is Chris Curry our guy? I don't think we're going to get that, but I think what we should look for when it comes to the quarterbacks or the running backs here in the spring, Brian, is just to pay attention to the comments coming from coaches about names that keep coming up. They keep mentioning the same guy over over and over again. Well, guess what? Here's a uh, inside look at what Coach Speak is all about. They keep bringing up the same names. That means that that person keeps standing out, and it's on the coach's mind. And that should indicate to you that that person is absolutely in the mix. Yeah, we're going to have to play the in our estimation game, yep. which we didn't get to play a whole ton last year because we got started a little bit late for as far as the football season goes. But it's my favorite game because we're not going to be able to watch practices. Yay. <laughs> and if you could see the video of me right now, I'm furious and wanting to punch a wall because that's the best part about spring balls. You get to go up and watch yeah. these guys when they're a little bit more relaxed. You get to watch the coaching staff interact with them. You get to watch a full practice. So you kind of have an idea of who really is good and who isn't. We're not going to get that this year. And so we're going to have to really read between the lines with what Kyle Whittingham says, what Kyle McDonald says, what Chad Bumfus says, because I think that wide receiver position is probably one that even though we know who the guys are, where are they going to play? What roles are they going to play? How is Bumfus going to motivate that group to get above and beyond mm-hmm. being a first-year guy? We do know that the guys that are there know Chad because they all played when he was a GAA, and so I think they're excited to have him. I did hear him tell a story that Britton Covey texted him and said, I hope you apply for the job. We'd love to have you back, which is good on Brit. He knows what he's doing. Um, but, you know, I think by that point, you know, Chad had already uh, put his name into the hat, so to speak, along with some other interesting candidates. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. It'll be interesting with Chad Bumfus because, yes, he was a GA, but he hired so uh, such a tight window to getting hired versus going out for spring ball. I wonder how much work he'll actually like have in well, not work, but I guess how much of a plan he'll have in place of what he wants to do with these receivers. It's just an interesting topic there, Brian. Uh, one, uh, one or two other storylines for you, real quick here, as we look towards the beginning of spring ball. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is just going to be. What are we going to see on the offensive line? <laughs> because you've got a healthy Orlando Umana coming back. Is, is he going to back, be back at the center position? You and I have talked about it. I've, I've expressed my feelings. I think Nick Ford is better at that center position. I think what we saw out of Jaron Kump is enough to establish him as a starter on that offensive line. So do you put 
Comp at the left tackle spot now that he's got some experience under his belt. Do you move forward to the right tackle and put Umana in there at the center? What is it? You know, how does this all work with Simi Mwala? We know that Satawa Laumea or, uh, uh, yeah, Sato uh, Laumea, yeah. <laughs> he and uh, Samisi Lawaki, I get mixed up from time to time, even though they play on opposite sides of the ball. Um, but we know that he was a Pac-12 uh, freshman all-conference, and he really established himself as a dominant force at that guard position. And Braden Daniels is going to have to compete with Keaton Bills again. So it's a position that, while you're returning a lot of good experience, there is some question marks about it and i think more importantly in the minds of utah fans this unit has not proven them proven anything and so we'll have to see if this is if this reinvigoration of the roster where you and i kind of tend to think that we're going more towards being a running fairly established running team as opposed to be a mix of both we'll have to see if they can still you know protect the pass game and and i mean the bottom line is we're not gonna be able to see any of it right except until we get to the spring spring game on april 17th yeah and that's the one thing is that we're not gonna see much that's 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 the sad part about it but funny enough uh last thing for me here brian is all of our topics all of our storylines all pretty much all offensively. I think we all kind of trust that this defense is going to just kind of go back out there and do what they did this past fall in that abbreviated season, which was be a very solid defense. And you think with just another off season of work and having to go through spring ball here, they're only going to get better. And that's I think that's actually a good thing that we're not necessarily worrying about the defense right now. And it's a really flip from last year where we thought the mm-hmm. offense was going to be established and really be the driving force behind the team. And we found out really quick that there were still some flaws with that. And the defense was the one that really rose to the challenge. I think defensively, you're pretty well set across the board. You know who's going to be your front, your initial front four. Uh, maybe some of those rotating guys will 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 be a little bit of a question mark. You know, Junior Tafuna, who was a guy that I'm really high on, is going to start out the spring ball at defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Samisi Lawaki is back with the team he opted out because of covid um there are some family circumstances there i believe that that made him make that this that forced him to make that decision uh linebackers we've talked about ad nauseum but i think the the only other kind of question mark is what happens at the safety position now that nate ritchie is off to uh off to serve the lord so to speak um in utah culture i think that's the relevant term but he is um serving a a lds church oriented mission now yeah, absolutely. So we'll have some fun with this. So we'll, of course, uh, bring you guys audio from players and coaches. They'll be speaking in the mornings, by the way. And if, if you want to hear them live, by the way, the show I work on every day, DJ and PK in the morning, we're going to be carrying these media sessions with Kyle Whittingham, assistant coaches and players. We'll be carrying them live on air. So if you want to catch them live, tune in to 97.5 FM and 1280 AM. We'll have those for you live, but also we'll recap the day for you if you can't catch them live right here on Locked on Utes every day as well. All right, Brian, coming up here in just a moment uh we got plenty of other stuff going on with utah that we need to to dive into and including a national championship for the ski team there's plenty still to catch up on from the weekend that was in utah sports we'll touch on that stuff here momentarily but let's talk about our good friends at blue chew brian shall we Jake, it's my favorite subject. There's nothing I love more than talking about Blue Chew. Yeah, let's just put this this way. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom, guys. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Think about that, guys. You can chew it rather than have to swallow a pill. I know many people out there are not people who like to swallow pills. All you do is chew it. It's real easy to do. 
Yeah, it, it, these tablets combat all forms of ED and can help you get that extra confidence like you were talking about, Jake, for when it's time to perform. And I'm all about you having confidence when it's time to perform, especially when I'm in front of a microphone, right? Absolutely. It's an online prescription service, by the way, so that saves you the, the kind of the awkward nature of going to visit with your doctor, standing in line at the pharmacy, all that stuff. It's all taken care of. So if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information and of course, they've got a special dis- special deal for our listeners. You can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay five dollars for shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code Locked On. Receive your first month free, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring us here on the Locked On Utes podcast. Brian, you and I are both big fans of our friends over at Bet Online. Well, let's put it this way. If you guys want to have some fun this weekend with the NCAA tournament happening, there's going to be a lot of games, and you want to put some extra money where your mouth is and just have some fun with it, do it with our friends at Bet Online. It's a real simple interface. You can bet on any game you want to, any prop bet, whatever it is, and it's really easy to do. It's super simple to set up your account and and super simple to place those bets. In fact, at times I wonder if it's almost too simple, Jake, because I get a little greedy and start throwing out more bets out there than I probably should. But there's good news, Jake, because I've invited a couple friends on board and we're going to team attack this thing. We're going full on hive mind with my bet online account because there is so much action across the board. That way we can each pick a selection when we're going for our daily parlay. Sweet. I, I like to hear that. I want to in on that hive action, by the way. But we'll have some fun with it regardless. You can go to betonline.ag right now. Sign up for that free account. And while you're there, when you make your first deposit, you can get a 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code Locked On. Yes, a 50% welcome bonus. Think about it, guys. Extra money put into your account. It's all courtesy of our friends at Bet Online. Have some fun this weekend or throughout this entire week. NBA action, NHL, and, of course, March Madness ongoing. It's all courtesy of our friends at Bet Online. your online sports book experts. March Madness is, of course, here, everybody, and that means bracket challenges. We are no different here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Join our Locked On Listener Bracket Challenge group on ESPN. Submit your March Madness picks. Beat your favorite hosts, including Brian and I. And if you win... This is what you get. You will win a guest appearance on the Locked On Today podcast, which is our daily news podcast. The link to join is in the show notes of this episode. Get your picks in today. Brian, you think they'll let us on Locked On Today if we happen to win? <laughs> That's a great laugh because that ain't happening. We, first off, we aren't winning, one. No, two, no. They, they're, they're not letting us on Locked On Today. So. The last time I won a bracket challenge was in third grade. Great, Jake. And let me tell you, the dry spell has been long. I, 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 I'm right there with you. I have a brother who literally flips coins and beats me most years. So that's just well. You. There's, you know, we. I have this friend group that's kind of my high school friends plus the add-ons along the way. And uh, let me tell you, it's the women that win every year, Jake. Oh yeah, no women. There hasn't been a man from this group that's won this decade. I like that. That's that's actually really cool to hear. All yeah. right, but nonetheless, you guys can have some fun with that. Make sure you join. We're going to do that as well. But let's talk a little bit about March Madness here, Brian. Of course, the Pac-12 tournament wrapped up over the weekend. Kind of give me your initial thoughts on how everything played out in Las Vegas. I mean, nobody likes the Pac-12, Jake. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> you can you can blame Uncle Larry for it. You can do whatever, but it's pretty obvious that people don't have a lot of respect for the Pac-12 either in football or in basketball. And and I think some of that maybe I I don't know if it's the fact that Bill Walton picked every single Pac-12 team to make it to his Final Four, <laughs> or if it's the fact that you know the the Pac-12 calls itself the Conference of Champions, which we are because we just won another one this weekend. But um, they they definitely did not get a lot of respect, and I think some of that is is understandable right there wasn't a clearly defined elite team from the pac-12 this year i think the most talented was probably usc you know evan mobley really stood out in that regards but they really never had a a a dynamic performance where you looked at usc and you're like that is a title contender and and so i think the seeding kind of reflected that and you know if you look at the teams i think it's pretty pretty I don't want to say chalk, but I think it's pretty, you know, pretty well settled who everybody thinks, you know, most of the locked on network is, is really high on Texas and Illinois. You and I, I think are probably pretty high on Gonzaga. Yeah. I don't know if I saw a single pac 12 team that I look at that can hang with Gonzaga. Well, and see, that's the thing about it is Gonzaga is the heavyweight out here in the Western United States. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what did you make, uh, by the way, of the Pac-12 getting four teams in? I know that Oregon State got in by virtue of winning the Pac-12 tournament and quote-unquote was a bid thief, but y- you know what? There are four teams in. Do you think that was a justifiable number? Did they get screwed, or do you think they were right about the, right about the number that you thought? This is the argument, right? Like, this is the one that I always have the problem problem with because we want all these mid-major teams and all these smaller schools to get in the tournament and have all these upsets. But are they really as good or as talented as some of these bigger schools? And I say that as somebody who came from the Mountain West Conference and had to learn on a really, really steep curve that your program wasn't as good as you thought it was, yeah. especially not day in and day out. And I think that's really the, the biggest problem the Pac-12 has is not so much the basketball, because if you look at it, they, they produce the third most NBA players out of all the conferences in the, in the country. So how can you have basketball talent like that and not be good at basketball? But it's twofold. They haven't done well in the tournament outside of really Oregon. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it, too, is they have a major branding issue. I I would agree with that. The branding issue is is an issue. The branding issue is an issue. Hey, shocking. But (laughs) nonetheless, they do have just this national reputation that it's seemingly in tatters and that that that's kind of disappointing if you're a Pac-12 fan no matter what school it might be or just the conference overall and I'm not sure exactly what it's going to take to rebuild that Brian maybe well I guess one thing that would help if all four of these teams in the tournament this year if all of them made runs okay that would be a step towards I think rebuilding the reputation but I'm not sure I'm picking all four of them to advance I'm not even sure I'm picking UCLA to beat Michigan State to go and face BYU but hey I Making a run would actually be a big-time help, I think, and just a one, one step towards rebuilding some of that national rep. Oddly enough, I think Al Davis gave us the recipe, just win, baby. Uh, actually, in most things in life, just win, baby. Uh, that, that actually, I think, covers a lot of different things. That philosophy yeah. right there is absolutely marvelous. Uh, one thing here, Brian, as we, as we look towards this coming weekend and everything, do you uh, – what am I trying to say? How am I trying to word this correctly? Uh, do you think that the Pac-12, should they make deep runs, regardless of who it might be, do you think that there is a team that is set up I th- to, I guess, can 
to I guess take over this conference. Does that make sense? Like to become that big dog. We all know that Oregon, like you said, has had that that reputation recently. Is there another team out there that you see, or do you think this is just kind of a yearly thing where one team cycles up and they cycle back down? Uh, this is this is what I've kind of thought about for a little while, and I'm actually pretty confident in this one. I think it's UCLA, okay. and, and there's a couple of reasons. I think Mick Cronin has done a really good job of establishing the culture, you know, defense, toughness, you know, effort, energy, whatnot. They just don't have a star yet, right? Yeah. That's the big problem with UCLA. And and I've talked about how I love Tiger Campbell, but he's not a star. He's not the guy who's going to go out and drop 30 and win you a game. Now think if UCLA had Evan Mobley on that team. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty impressive. There's no doubt about right? that. You know, and, and that's probably part of the problem with the Pac-12 is that the teams with the star power have always been Arizona or Oregon, not the teams that really have, like, the, the brand of being really tough, good, hard-nosed basketball teams. And if you look at the last few national champions in the NCAA, it's Virginia, it's Villanova, it's all these programs that have these tough-nosed guys. The one-and-dones really haven't been champions lately, and so I think that's part of the problem. The one Oregon team that was really successful was that one with Dylan Brooks who was really just I mean they were they were really experienced they had a lot of depth there was a lot of I mean I want to say Chris uh, Boucher was on that team mm-hmm. was Jordan was it Jordan Hill I believe so yeah uh, anyways so I mean multiple NBA guys were on that team um, and that's probably the best one that they've had but I think that UCLA team you know if they can get a star or two to add to what they have and I don't think they have a whole lot de- departing. I think they're probably the program that's on the cusp. Um, I'm actually really curious to see what Oregon State does. That will be interesting because they come in on fire. There's no doubt about that. What would you say? It was is seven of eight they have won uh, going into this thing and looking forward to their opportunity. But nonetheless, I think that this weekend will be a big uh, – uh, well, I don't think it necessarily should be, but it will be a referendum on the Pac-12 overall, even though – in a microcosm of just what four days, it's kind of hard to have a referendum on that. But nonetheless, it's how we operate in the sports realm. There's no doubt about that. But uh, coming up here momentarily, we will catch up on everything else going on with the U. It's a national championship, as we have alluded to. Uh, plenty more from the weekend that was. We'll touch on all of that here in just a moment, Brian. But let's talk about another bracket challenge, shall we? It's tis the season, as people like to say, this is March, Jake. Yeah, so let's talk about Built Bars, obviously. We've been telling you guys about them for a long time now. They are the best-tasting protein bar out there. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Me and Brian are huge fans of Built Bars, but it's now the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Brian, we've entered the Sweet 16 of this matchup, and today it is Toffee Almond against Mint Brownie. Who are you favoring in this matchup? Where do you think I get the nickname from, Jake? I'm all about the mint brownie. Here I am. It's the Conference of Champions, and we've got the mint brownie. How could you choose anything else, Jacob? Uh, I'm actually with you. I think I think mint brownie is going to win this one. Uh, I I think it's actually a phenomenal flavor, but I, I 
Toffee Almond's been a sneaky good, I think, pick in this bracket challenge. Let's we'll see. But if you guys can have your say on this, by the way, all of you listening to this, all you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com. You can cast your vote there or follow Built Bar on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. Check it out. Cast your vote. Have your voice heard. And also, while you're there, use the new promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your order, guys. Brian and I, we are huge, huge fans of these bars. Cannot encourage you enough to take advantage of that. So once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON15 at BuiltBar.com and enjoy the best tasting protein bars anywhere. All right, Brian, it was a very, very busy weekend if you're a Utah sports fan across the athletic department, but the good news is it seemed like there was a whole lot of winning over the weekend and none bigger than the Utah ski team. Yeah, I, I guess I guess when you win a championship nationally, that's a pretty good day. I uh, you know I've had a little bit of experience with winning some championships here and there, Jake, but I don't think anybody has had the kind of run that the Utah Ski Team has had. Yeah, they had a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. Uh, they win the national championship. It was in New, it was in New Hampshire, right? Is that where it, where it's taking place this year? I believe I believe so. Yes, yeah, yeah. And things that we should probably know as we both host a locked on podcast. But we talked a little bit on Friday how they had a pretty insurmountable lead mm-hmm. and this one was kind of in the bag for them and and you know, they they finished strong and this program has won now 14 national championships. It's incredibly impressive. They've put a lot of money into the team to have a facility and training and everything like that and then, you know, they've really just uh, exploded and it was really cool to see that two individual wins came from local star Sydney Palmer Ledger who won the 5k classic on Thursday and then won the 15k freestyle and she won by a f- two 24 seconds man that's pretty impressive the the, the fun part is well and the, the funny thing about this is, is they went to New Hampshire completely different snow than they train on traditionally because you think about yeah. it the greatest snow on earth here in Utah light fluffy kind of that dry snow New Hampshire ain't that folks it is heavy wet cement snow so good on Utah for being able to deal with the conditions back east and coming home yeah with that 14th national title all time all right Brian where else are we touching let's let's start off I guess uh, with baseball they won back-to-back games over BYU and then the weather precluded them from playing the series finale that was supposed to take place in Provo it has now been rescheduled to mid-May you know there was a time Jake where this was really a lopsided series in favor of the Cougars and this Utah baseball team has finally stepped up to the plate to where they can compete with BYU and BYU is a program that competes across that West Coast Conference there's a lot of good baseball programs in there right yeah. San Diego Pepperdine a lot of really rich programs with that and and you know Utah jumped out to a 2-0 lead in the series won the second game 7-1 to at Smith's Ballpark and then the weather just postponed game 3 so we'll see if that one gets rescheduled, maybe by that time we'll be able to go watch that one in person. How great would that be? Yeah, I believe it's already rescheduled May 18th, if I'm not mistaken, if I read correctly. But nonetheless, yeah, I'm with you. Hopefully by then, yeah, we can go out and actually watch uh, watch that game in person. That'd be a ton mm-hmm. of fun. All right, where else we got to cover? We got to cover women's volleyball. I believe they split over the weekend, right? Yep, yep, uh, a split for women's volleyball. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily what they expected against UCLA. Uh, but nonetheless, they come home having gone 500 on the road trip and you have to imagine that that for them it's it's 
starting to get a little bit difficult to to play these back-to-back trips right where you're playing two games in a weekend and and you're starting to travel a little bit and their next match will be at Colorado I think that'll be a chance to get back to uh, their winning ways but another big weekend for Danny Drews 24 kills and four blocks Uh, Kenzie Kerber had two aces Um, you know Kennedy Evans had a really good good set with five kills and ten blocks Uh, so this team we're seeing a lot of contributions from others but it's always that that you know that stellar effort from Danny Drews that kind of leads them to the way. Danny Drews is just so good, man. She is. She's incredible. Yeah, she like in terms of athletes, yeah. and this is she is a sweet person. You know the whole the whole Martin clan are just great people. But Danny is just an incredible athlete to watch. The level that she competes at, the level that she you know works out at, it's it, oh. Like go watch volleyball, man. It's so fun. It is a ton of fun. Like, and she alone is worth the price of admission. To use that expression, I know that right now getting admission to any sporting event is a little <laughs> tougher. But you know, you, you get what I'm talking about. A couple other things here. Uh, let's talk about women's soccer. Uh, interesting split for them as they beat USC two nothing, but then turn around and lose two nothing to number three UCLA. So uh, an up and down weekend for the women's soccer program. But that win over the Trojans should not be ignored. No, no, and and this is a big step forward for this program, who has had a lot of close affairs up until this point. Um, you know, they've had some some close losses, and so I think to get a win against the USC team that that's still pretty talented. They're three and two overall, two and two in the conference. You know, Utah right now sitting at two four and two, and then one two and one in the conference. That's a good step forward for them, and I think it gives them some momentum as they go back to you know facing USC. Um, or excuse me, I. I that's incorrect. Uh, the next game is against uh, Colorado on the Colorado, 20th, yeah. and that will be back at Ute Field. It'll be outside. They won't have to worry about playing indoors at, at the Real practice facility. They'll, they'll be definitely at home, home. So another chance to string together some wins there. All right, and last thing for me, Brian, uh, let's talk about Utes lacrosse. They absolutely smashed Westminster 18-5. to Good to see them have a nice big day. I, I get that Westminster isn't in a Division One program like Utah, but nonetheless, it's always good to see the lacrosse team having success. This is still a young team, and they need to get some experience going, and I think it's good to get a little bit of confidence against a foe in Westminster that's still a competitive program, but this is the difference between D1 and and kind of clubs club or NAIA type programs out in the West is is that Utah just has so much firepower and so much offense. And we talked about how they really needed to get back to that offense clicking after a really tough game against uh, Jacksonville um, and their tight defense. And so 18 to five is a good way to get back after it. Yep. So congratulations to them. All right, Brian, any final thoughts, uh, notes that I did not touch on or anything else you'd like to pass along to our listeners? You know, Jake, when it comes to all those brandings, you just feel so bad for the cows. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Of all things. That's pretty good. I like that a lot. All right. That's a branding joke. (laughs) I I think it was actually. We're back in Kansas right now. You'd be laughing. (laughs) I'd just be waiting for you to stop laughing. That's pretty funny. So well done on that. But we'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Uh, Hearing from Kyle Whittingham and the quarterbacks, they're scheduled to speak to the media. If you're up early listening to this, yes, 8 a.m., they'll be speaking to the media live. You can hear it on The Zone. I'm sure they're also on YouTube, et cetera. You'll be able to tune into that. And we'll have a recap of what we hear from all of them on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. Until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for March 15th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys manana.